everyone. Thanks for tuning in. We want to invite you to learn more about the heart and vision of City of Lights. So check out our website at cityoflights.church and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at City Lights Indie. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy today's message. This morning, we're going to continue with week three of our Spiritual Habits series. Have you all been enjoying this series so far? Is it, we're growing, we're growing, we're developing new habits, we're developing good disciplines in our lives. The very first week, we talked about the discipline of reading God's Word, of reading Scripture. It's important that we, just like we eat food on the daily to sustain us, to strengthen our physical bodies, that we are eating of His Word that we are reading this holy word, that we're understanding not only who God is, but what he says about the world around us. We can so easily be confused about the things of this world, not because truth has not been available, but because we've not gone to it. Because we go to so many other sources that claim the truth, but actually are nothing but a pretty lie. We have to read that word. The second habit we talked about is the habit of cultivating a lifestyle of prayer. And it doesn't have to be fancy. You don't have to change your accent to talk to the Lord. Come on, somebody from Mooresville. Come on. I'm telling you, you don't have to all of a sudden get like high churchy. Father, Father God, in the name of the Holy I feel like when you like go real deep, it's just like, this is a real holy prayer right there. It's so holy, only like three people can hear it. But we can, we can over, we can try to, you know, sometimes when we think of prayer, we think we can't do it because maybe we can't do it like this person or that person. It becomes more about everybody else except for communing with God. He loves to hear your voice. He loves to hear your voice voice. It doesn't have to sound like this person, that person, the other. It doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be the KJV. Your voice is the voice he loves to hear, and he wants you to hear his voice. He loves to speak to his children. He loves to communicate with us. We want to build these rhythms. We want to build these rhythms. Today, we're going to talk about one of the most interesting and feared disciplines, I believe, in all of Christendom, and that is fasting. (laughs) Thank you, Dad. The only amen in the spot for fasting. I don't know about you, but if I'm being honest with you this morning, can I be honest, church? My flesh cries out, I hate fasting. I'm just going to be honest. If I can just be honest, if I can be transparent with you, I love Jesus. I love the disciplines. I get hives when I think about fasting. I do. It just is. Because you know what? I love to eat. I know you couldn't tell. I know you couldn't tell. But I love to eat, and I've always loved to eat. I love to eat. I love to think about eating. I love to plan my eating. I love to look on Yelp and see who's eating the best. I love to see. I love to plan out. You know my favorite? I love my wife, right? I love my wife. But one of my favorite parts of date night is what we're going to eat. 
Like, we might need even, who cares about a movie? Ain't anything good on, you know what I'm saying? If Denzel's in it, he's going to bite his lip. He's going to cry a single tear. He's going to get mad at somebody. Somebody's going to die. You know what I'm saying? You just seen it all. But I want to know where are we going to eat. And I've kind of been like that since I was a kid. Since I was a baby, I loved to eat. I remember my dad would tell me this story about when I was like about Ella's age, maybe a little bit more. And I just like to throw it down on my dad, you know, especially when you have that first kid. You're like, oh, it's cute. He likes to eat. Let's just give him more food. And, you know, whatever my dad would eat, he would give that to me. So for breakfast, if he had like a two-egg omelet, three pancakes, <laughs> five, whoa, no, not five pancakes. See, that was like, you trying to get me on Jerry Springer, dad. You loaded me up. I was like, ooh, I want that. I want some. And so the Holy Spirit and common sense spoke to him one day and said, uh, if you don't stop this, he will surely die. And, and so my dad was like, okay, I probably need to uh, incorporate some new portion control. And on the first day that he did this, I looked at his plate. I looked at my plate. I looked at his plate. I looked at my plate. And I put my head on my tray and cried. Y'all, that's pitiful. That is pitiful. But it was true. It was true. And it's just kind of, it's just kind of how, you know, how I, you know, I would, I had tended to roll. It's like I just like to eat food. I like to cook food. I like to watch the food network. And however, just like anything, anything in excess can be a bad thing. One of the things I realized is I would start to be more of an emotional eater, right? If I was going to celebrate, let's eat. If I was sad, let's eat. And something that is not a bad thing, but was given a disproportionate affection, had become an idol. And I remember one person saying, hey, you know what? We have to eat to live, not live to eat. And when we think about fasting, and food is one of those things, really what it is about is putting things in right proportion and perspective in our lives. Fasting is not about walking around looking like you are malnourished and depressed because you didn't eat that extra, like, big old carb, whatever you were going to eat. Fasting should be, for the believer, it should actually be an act of celebration. Y'all hear me this morning. This morning, I want to help us to understand the biblical perspective on fasting and how, I'm telling you, as much as I said in my flesh, this is not my favorite discipline, but I also understand that it is one that will benefit us greatly if we can understand what Jesus says about it and put it to work in our lives. So this morning, I want to invite you We're going to revisit the book of Matthew. Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. It's about two-thirds into your Bible. If you have one or if you have an app with that you're reading from this morning, it'll be easy to find. And Matthew, the book of Matthew, is written by Matthew the Apostle. And as we had mentioned before, that Matthew, his... Unique perspective is that Matthew was a tax collector. He was an educated man. 
He was an educated Galilean Jew. And his perspective that he brought to the writing of the Gospel of Matthew was that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the fulfillment of all of the messianic prophecies that had come before. Do you hear me this morning? We're tracking together. Great. And so it's important for us to remember this as the backdrop because it actually changed the way that people would think and experience fasting. So we're going to begin, first of all, we're going to start, I'm going to read Matthew 4, chapter 4, and then verse 1 through 4. Follow along with me, we're going to hop through Matthew a few times. It says, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came and said to him, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Now, I want to hop from there, and we're going to go to Matthew 6. This is continuing for where we were last week. Matthew 6, 16, it says, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, or another translation says the play actors. For they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And lastly, I want you to turn to Matthew 9. Beginning... In verse, actually, we're going to start in verse 9. It says, as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew. So this is Matthew writing about the time that Jesus called him. Matthew, sitting at the tax booth. I'm surprised since Matthew wrote this that he didn't go, Matthew, a ravishingly stunning man of great stature and intelligence. Sitting at the tax booth, he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, when Jesus heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Verse 14. Then the disciples of John came to him, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? I want to read that again. Really look at that with me. Can the wedding guest mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The bridegroom being Jesus. The day will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. 
No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch tears away from the garment, and, wor- and, worse, and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. If it is, the skins burst, and the wine is spilled, and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins, and so ber- both are preserved. What is he saying? Why is he talking about patches, and why is he talking about wineskins, what he is saying is that this concept of fasting was not necessarily a new concept. This concept of fasting was a well-known and observed practice, not just among the Jews, but among many different religious sects. But oftentimes within the context of the synagogue and the Jewish practice, Fasting was seen as almost an expression of mourning and longing. It was almost like you would fast in response of someone passing or of a reminder of of the fact that we have yet to find the Messiah. We fast in in response of this longing and a reminder that we're still long awaiting the coming hope. And so what Jesus is saying to them in this encounter and why he's talking about this is he was saying there is a new thing that is happening right in front of you and you don't even see it. I am the new wine. That's what he's saying. I am the bridegroom. And if I try to fit this new wine in an old wineskin, in an old mindset, in an old framework, it'll burst. And so he's actually telling them, I'm about to change everything you've thought about fasting right now. Everything you know about fasting, it's about to flip. I want to help us understand what he's talking about this morning. Let me pray real quick. Lord, I thank you. (laughs) Lord, that when you were on the scene, you constantly challenged just folks religious constructs because from the very beginning the point was not just that we jump through all the hoops the point was fellowship the goal was connection to you and we got off we made it about ourselves we made it about placing ourselves above uh, above others getting more badges than this person or that person God, I ask that you would help us to see you in the text. That you would help us to see this beautiful discipline in the way that you have designed it. Not being bound by the constructs of man. Help us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So, What we have to understand is this, is that we are constantly, we will constantly find ourselves fueled, motivated, and sustained by things all around us that are not the Lord. Constantly. Whether it's, it might be material things that are not all bad in of themselves. Um, particularly in our Western culture, it can be very easy for us to deceive ourselves into thinking that we have it all together. We can go out, most of us in this room, if you are hungry, you can probably find food close by. 
whether we make it food, maybe it's money. And the pursuit of money is what fuels us, is what sustains us, it's what drives us. Maybe it's a job promotion. Maybe it's health care. I've got to keep my health care. And this fuels us and it sustains us. And it's this thing that keeps us going because I've got to keep my benefits. And I can't mess with my pension. And I can't mess with my future uh, uh, upward mobility. And so we're constantly motivated, fueled, and sustained by material things. Maybe it's our physical body. And, and, and you're constantly, constantly working out and constantly thinking about you know, maintaining this look, maintaining this image. And none of these things in and of itself are evil. But even a good thing makes a bad God. There are plenty of things that in and of themselves are not evil. But when we place them above King Jesus... They become an idol. And in the moment they become an idol, they become an enemy of God. We are prone. A, a friend of mine, I, I, I forget the book that this comes from, that he says, we are idol factories. We need something to worship. We need something to exalt that's why the people, the Hebrew children, the people of God, were led out of captivity, out of slavery, and when God wasn't responding to them as quickly as they thought that he should, they already got free, like manna from heaven, free, you know, cornbread came down from heaven. They had free meat that came down from heaven. God had brought them water from a rock. And, you know, they had to wait a little bit. And they're like, man. You know what? I bet we can make a calf with gold on it. And we can worship that thing. First of all, that's got to be just the dumbest idea. You know what I'm saying? And, and they give themselves to idol worship. They begin to, to worshiping false gods. And we can look at that. But man, how many times, especially in our modern context, do we begin to worship lesser things because it's convenient, because it's close, because we can control it? I think it's interesting that in the scripture when the Hebrews make an idol to worship, they make a beast of burden, something that was designed just to be their slave, and we can treat Almighty God as though his job is just to wait on our every beck and call. And so if he doesn't respond the way that we want him to respond, when we want him to respond, then we just begin to make other things an idol. And we begin to attach ourselves to these other things. It might be material things like I mentioned. It might be immaterial things. We can be fueled and sustained by fear. Fear is one of the most dangerous motivators. Fear of failure. Fear of man or woman. Fear of becoming something or not becoming something. We can be motivated and fueled and sustained by false images. By this image that we think we're keeping up. 
by this image of ourselves that God actually doesn't speak over us, but the enemy has brought lie and accusation and has distorted the way we see ourselves. And so we never, maybe you never wake up ever pleased with the way you look. And because of that, it's caused all kinds of damage psychologically, physically. And that thing motivates and drives you to make more and more bad decisions. Sometimes the immaterial motivation or the fuel might be success. This ever-elusive chasing cat and mouse game based not on truth but based on just us not wanting to fail and it's not a bad thing to want to be excellent and to be successful it's not a bad thing to want to take care of our bodies it's not a bad thing to have promotion it's not a bad thing to have health care but it is a bad thing to make an idol and to be sustained by any of these things amen and so what fasting does is fasting helps put things in right perspective and alignment. So what is fasting? Fasting is abstaining and gaining. Fasting is abstaining and gaining. See, usually when we talk about fasting, we only focus on what we're giving up. Right? And, I mean, as soon as you think about fasting, it's like the the negotiation is on. Like, you're like, okay, what should I fast? Like, how much is enough? Okay, like, if I just fast, like, Brussels sprouts. Nope, doesn't count. You haven't had Brussels sprouts since you were eight. Okay, bacon wrap Brussels sprouts with a balsamic reduction does not count. Okay, but really the heart of fasting it really is the, 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 one, the biblical model that we see most often is abstaining from food. It's to deny the flesh. It's to wean ourselves off of the things that we have convinced ourselves we need. You know, in, in the south, there is this house. It's a glorious house called Bojangles. And, and in this glorious house, there are Cajun filet biscuits, and you just have to get weaned off of them lest you worship at the foot of the chicken biscuit. You know, but there are things we, we, we want to sustain. We, we abstain from something, be it food. Sometimes we talk about, we joke about social media, but I tell you what, you would be amazed, some of you would not be amazed how much of an idol media has become in our world. You think about it. We have entire, multiple entire buildings that are erected for the sole purpose of us going and standing in front of glowing screens and trying to microscopically decide which TV is a little bit better? Like, it's crazy, like, standing in front of, like, you go to Costco or you go to Best Buy, you go to these things, you're looking at all these different flat screens, and you're, like, trying to discern any possible difference between the way that a jellyfish looks on this screen or a jellyfish looks on this screen. They always show, like, Planet Earth or something on there. 
We are constantly consumed by being stimulated with our phones, with our iPads. Everything is about a crisper picture, a crisper look. You know, we, we want the, the newest information. We want it all the different ways, and these things begin to consume us and take our time and, and to get us off track. Fasting is abstaining, but it is gaining because what we are gaining is we are gaining engagement and fellowship with God. The focus of a fast is not about the little thing that we're going to give up. The focus of our fasting is always to be about the gain of eternal communion and fellowship with Jesus. It's a detox. It's a detox from distractions. A detox from the lies and the fears and the false accusations of the enemy. It's an opportunity to sit and feast at the table of fellowship with the Lord, to drink in his truth and his love and his goodness. It literally, when Jesus is talking to them and they're saying, hey, why is it that the Pharisees and we, John's disciple, like, why is it that we fast and you're not fasting? And Jesus is letting them know. Y'all have been fasting in mourning and with sadness and, and in this almost just depressive dirge, longing for the coming Messiah. I'm right here. So the goal should be fellowship with me. And he's saying, one day I'm going to go. And they will fast. But now we don't fast, we don't fast in mourning anymore. We fast with joyous longing because the Messiah has come and he has made fellowship possible through his blood. Are you with me this morning? That when we fast, it's actually a celebration. It's a feast in the presence of God. It's something that we can actually look forward to. It's like, I don't know how many of you are romantics in here. The man had seven children. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Um, I don't know how many of you are romantics in here. I am not one of them. God, pray for Kelly. Pray for her. Like, I try to get tips sometimes from Isaiah because Isaiah is way more thoughtful than I am on certain things. I'm telling you, Isaiah's wife is going to be blessed. Because he thinks of everything, and he lets you know it. You know, but I'm, not, I'm just not that way. But I will try my darndest, especially, you know, if it's a good, if, 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 one, if it's one of the big events that are coming up, if it's like Valentine's Day, Valentine's Day is coming up next month, just I'll go ahead and help pray for me. Extend your hands and just pray and believe in. Not to screw this up. I would always screw up Valentine's. Our first Valentine's were like, it was almost like a timer. I'm about to jack something up. Like, I remember, I don't know if you've ever seen those Valentines, those like big balloon egg-shaped Valentines things. And on the inside, it has like a stuffed bear and candy and all those things. I, I, this one particular, it was like our second Valentines. And I'm thinking, I'm about to knock it out of the park. And I'm, I'm a gift giver, so I'm just like, I'm going to buy something. I'm going to get something really cool. Maybe, I'm probably not going to make a card. 
but I, I might make a car, but I'm going to buy something. So, you know, I go and I see this thing. And I'm like, oh, it's huge. She's going to love it. It's going to be amazing. And I'm walking up to her house. I'm feeling so good about myself. And just as I get ready to go up on the steps on her porch, I trip and I drop it. And the balloon pops and candy goes all over the muddy, wet ground. And I'm like trying to pick things up. I'm like, that one's not too muddy. Um, okay. Yeah, it just didn't work. But I've had some wins where you pick the right restaurant, you pick the right spot, you get the right food, the right lighting. And why? So that you can have an amazing time of fellowship with the person that you love. So that there's no distraction. You don't put on like the 103.3 rock playlist for that moment, right? You don't want that distraction. I get that smooth jazz cut. I'm not going too deep with this, y'all. We got kids in here. But my point is, is that you create an atmosphere for fellowship. And it's not something that you, like, begrudge or something that you, like, oh, my gosh. Why do I have to hang out with you? I would so much rather be playing video games. I'm just telling you right now, husbands, if you look forward to video games more than your wife, we need to pray about the situation. Just saying. But it's something we anticipate. It's something we look forward to. Fasting, if done right, should actually be a celebration of engagement and reminding ourselves of who he is and gazing into his eyes. Not, and, and, and sometimes guys can freak out and when you're talk, talking about romantic concepts and this, it's not about that. It's about knowing him, knowing what his plans are for you. It's about gaining clarity and wisdom about what's coming up. One of the reasons that I'm thankful for, for the gift of fasting is this. There's just certain times where things, the stakes are too high in life. And there's times when you need a word from the Lord. You don't need somebody's opinion. You don't need another talking head telling you about this, that, and the other. You actually need a God-given word that is beyond even natural understanding to make some of the decisions that are going to come across your desk. I'm telling you, ladies, when you're trying to discern what God is saying about a relationship that you're in, you need a word from the Lord, not just your girlfriends. Fellas, when you're trying to discern your calling and your area of vocation, when you're thinking about taking care of and sustaining a family, you need more than just buddies just to say, hey, man, you got to man up. Sometimes you need that. But sometimes you need a word from the Lord. And you don't get a word from the Lord without seeking the Lord. And there's times when just throwing up a prayer isn't going to cut it. That you got to cut out the distractions. That you got to wean yourself off of the things that have become false idols. That we've got to abstain and gain that time of undistracted fellowship and engagement with God. It's gaining and abstaining. 
It is a feast and not a funeral. And the beauty of it is, just as we read about prayer, I love what he says in chapter 6 where he says, when we fast, we do so not for everybody else to see how holy we are. It's not to be like, you know, please don't take an Instagram necessarily of you fasting, whatever that is. You know, everybody's taking pictures of their food. I want you to see what I'm not eating. Um, It's about the reward that comes from being in his presence. You know, when I think about it, I think about my Aunt Bessie Lou. I had an aunt, my Aunt Bessie Lou, my great aunt. Sometimes people called her Bessie Bell. And I love going to her house because I knew every time we go to Aunt Bessie Lou's house, we're about to get loaded up with candy. It is good to go to Aunt Bessie Lou's house. But when we go over there, she was real, I mean, she, she, her house was just beautiful and she always took care of it. And we go, we sit on her couch. We could actually sit on her couch, which that was a bonus. Because in, like, some traditional black families, you don't get to sit in the living room. And if you do, there's plastic on the furniture. Like, for the old school folks, so you're, like, peeling yourself off afterwards. It just gets real awkward. But we could sit on her couch, so we loved her. Um, that's not the only reason we loved her, but that was a bonus. Um, but when we would go, the thing that we looked forward to is whenever my dad would go to the restroom, as soon as he would leave she would have these massive candy jars. And as soon as he was out of the room, I basically would go, put this in your pocket, put this in your pocket, put this in your pocket. And she'd load us up. And we were like, oh, my gosh, it's falling out. I don't have enough pockets. I mean, we were just so... Excited, because you knew if I'm going to spend time with Aunt Bessie Lou, she is hooking it up, you know. And it wasn't like carob chocolate. It was like good stuff, you know. And the same thing is, whenever we spend that focused time with the Lord, he never shows up empty-handed. The psalmist says, in your presence is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures evermore, that in his presence is everything that we need, love, peace, joy, affection. I mean, you you talk about being with the one that has everything, and not just being in his presence, but having his full attention. What a gift. What a treasure. Anything that we allow to be our sustainer and our fuel that is not the Lord will eventually give out and eventually leave us more than likely in a place of brokenness. God's desire for you is not that you would almost make it and just peter out near the end. He wants you to be sustained, to be fueled, to be propelled by his spirit. That is the purpose of fasting. You don't have to wait till next January. Some of y'all are like, whoo, I'm so glad we fasted two weeks ago. I don't have to worry about it. Praise Y'all laugh because some of y'all actually were thinking, oh, yeah. Oh, we fast a couple weeks ago? Oh, I'm good. I'm going to go eat a sandwich. 
you can actually engage in fasting throughout the year. Building a rhythm of fasting. Again, I stress that fasting is not starving yourself. You know, sometimes we can get things out of balance and just use fasting as a religious label to engage in eating disorders or just to starve ourselves or lose weight. That's not the point. So don't, let's not defile something that God has made good. But this is a gift that we've been given and a discipline that we can build in different seasons of our lives. Being led by the Spirit. As I said, food is not the only thing that we can abstain from. There are other things. As you pray, I'd encourage you to ask the Lord, Lord, is there something that I need to abstain from? Is there something that I've given an un, a misappropriate level of influence in my life that I need to remove? Because he loves you and because he's a God that hears and speaks, I absolutely believe he'll let you know what it is. Because God doesn't want anything to come between us and our fellowship with him. Because he wants us to walk in fullness of joy. When we fast, it's not about a funeral. It's about a feast. Feasting with the bridegroom. Feasting with the great sustainer of all things. And if we can walk in this kind of intimacy, oh, what an amazing community this can be. Community that is full of his presence. Not just full of churchy phrases, but full of the real presence of God. As we're taking in his word as we are spending time in prayer and as we are detoxing ourselves from lesser fuel sources we will forever be changed that is the kind of people that this city needs that's the kind of husband that you need or wife that you need or son and daughter and roommate and co-worker the world doesn't just need a lot of people who just do business as usual the world is waiting for people who are filled and transformed by the light of Jesus to shine where they are that is our prayer we say we're here number one to connect with Christ and community but second of all, we want to ignite. What does that mean? That means you can be connected to a power source, but it's not until you flip the switch that you become fully alive. We don't want to be a church of a bunch of people that can get connected but are not walking in the life that God's called them to be. We want you to be fully alive. And the only way you become fully alive is when you activate and engage with the presence and the power of Jesus and allow it to work and shape and change and transform you so that you can then go and light up this community. That's my prayer. If that's your desire, he's accessible. Next week, 
We're going to talk about Christ-centered fellowship as we wrap up this spiritual habit series. And the emphasis with this whole series is that it's not about a moment for you to say, okay, now I know about reading the Word, now I know about prayer, now I know about fasting. But these are things that we, we can begin to put into practice in our lives to cultivate intimacy with the Lord and to cultivate victory in every area of our lives. Does anybody want to be victorious in every area? Every area. Just a handful of us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you have made yourself available to us. Lord, that you've made yourself known. Lord, I'm asking that you would help us, Lord, to be a people led by your nudgings, by your spirit. Lord, that in whatever facet you're calling us to, that the focus would be you. Lord, I pray that you would help us, God, to break out of any just weird religious routine of spirituality where it's just I do this because my grandmother did it because my mom did it and, and it's just about doing the thing rather than coming to know the person it's just about doing the act rather than actually coming in alignment and being changed to be more like you Lord help us to break out of whatever rut, spiritual rut we found ourselves in and begin to engage you. Come into fellowship with you. Become more like you so that we can be all that you have called us to be. We thank you for your goodness, for your willingness to change and transform us with your love. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thanks again for joining us. Don't forget, you can find us online at cityoflights.church and connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.